Welcome back, listeners, to a new episode of JCOS Presents Sound Sociology. We've reached the back end of the course now, where we've got those kind of little bit of topics left. Uh, this used to traditionally be on the old paper two exam, which was power. And that's what we're going to be looking at in today in these remaining episodes. So let's start with that. How is power exercised in the political process? When we think about politics, I think it's best that whenever I teach this in, in a lesson, that we kind of get our heads around the kind of traditional political spectrum. On one side, we have Labour, left-leaning, always kind of traditionally looked at as supporting the working class voice, the people of the workers. And on the opposing side, on the right wing, we have the Conservatives, always kind of seen as representing big business and representing the agenda of those of the more middle class. Now, over time, our traditional continuum or dichotomy of political politics is no longer quite as simple as that now. You know, we have left and right wing, but we have extreme left wing and we have extreme right wing. You know, we might consider extreme left wing things that include Green Party, uh, um, environmental uh, pressure groups. On the right wing, we might go as far as things like the UKIP party, which represent very much right-wing perspectives. But also at the same time, we've seen our traditional left and right-wing political parties like Labour and Conservative find themselves going towards the middle, where they try and battle it over what we call the centre ground, where they try and pick up the most voters. Because that idea of traditional party politics being working class means you vote vote Labour and being middle class means you vote Conservative are not necessarily there anymore. The idea of class disalignment has come into place where people no longer pick a political party based on their class but based more specifically on specific policies. Politics in Britain is an incredibly important issue that we should all get behind. You don't have to be a government and politics student to appreciate the importance of it. In the UK, we are are a democracy, which means we're a government by the people. In a democratic society, power is distributed widely and the government's power is based on consent rather than coercion. So rather than forcing people to do something, we have to give consent to doing it. In a dictatorship, however, political power is concentrated in the hands of a dictator who rules with force, or her. Censorship of the media is exceptionally tight in a dictatorship, which means even if there is any news coming out of newspapers or TV channels or radios, it is heavily influenced by a dictator. Whereas in a democracy, we urge for a more pluralistic Uh, media which gives a range of viewpoints. In a dictatorship, propaganda plays a huge part of shaping shaping one's views of issues and shaping how voters might lean on a particular issue. In a representative democracy, citizens elect representatives who make political decisions on their behalf. In the UK, we have constituents who each cast one vote. Most candidates belong to a political party, such as the big ones, Labour and Conservative. 
and these candidates, whoever gets the most, become an MP, a Member of Parliament, and they sit at the House of Commons. Um, this type of electoral system is known as first-past-the-post. Um, in other countries, there are systems known as proportional representation. Seats are allocated according to the total number of votes that each party receives. Uh, proportional representation is used to vote uh, to elect people who are MEPs. So it's a bit of a you know a bit of a big difference to talk about first past the post, which is whoever gets the majority. Whereas proportional representation means even if you don't win, you will get an allotted amount of people. Uh, whoever you voted for will still represent. And that starts to maybe promote the idea of, you know, what do we mean by a democracy? Just Is it just about first past the post, getting the, the overall majority? Or is it about giving everyone a voice? The government is a central part of the political process and refers to a various institutions. We talk about the police, the armed forces, the judiciary, the civil service. The role of state institutions is to implement and enforce the law. So they're an extension of government, or centralised government for that fact. The state exercises authority in the United Kingdom over, over countries such as England, Northern Ireland, Scotland and Wales. Some state powers, however, have been, par- uh, have been passed, which means things like the Welsh Assembly, Scottish Parliament and the Northern Irish Assembly have been formed, which give them more control over their individual countries an ability to make decisions as well. The government in, of the UK refers to the MPs who are ministers, selected by the Prime Minister, who is the leader of a governing political party. In a democratic system, the government power is based on rational legal authority. And we'll come back to that in later episodes. Although the legal system, the military, the police force are all part of the state and they are independent of the government of the day. This idea of how power is exercised in the political world raises questions around, well, what should a government be doing? And there's two differing approaches on it. There's the pluralistic and there's the conflict approach. The pluralist approach argues that there should be a range of competing interests and pressure groups. Political power is shared amongst these groups. No single group dominates the decision making always gets it own way. The state's role is to act as a neutral referee. It regulates the different interests. So it brings us back to this idea that a democracy in one version, in one definition, should be a, a neutral position where actually we hear from everyone and the debate happens between those different existing groups. However, a conflict approach, which is usually adopted by Marxism, says that uh, these powerful positions within the state, such as judges or senior civil servants, tend to come from privileged backgrounds, many being educated at private schools, such as uh, private schools or came from Oxford or Cambridge universities. Whilst there may not be a problem with, you know, doing well at, you know, doing very well in attending a private school or going to Oxford or Cambridge, it does represent, is there a bit of an inside boys club on it? Marxists argue that the owners of the means of production who have the power in a capitalist society are able to protect the interests of the bourgeoisie. Those in powerful positions of government 
are either drawn from or serve the interests of the bourgeoisie. In other words, do we have a democracy that really reflects a small percentage of people who have very privileged backgrounds and have been uh, a part of a form of social capital which saw them go to the most elite universities where is it a breeding ground for bourgeoisie? Pluralists also argue that things like pressure groups, trade unions, new social movements, protest movements, things like Black Lives Matter, things like the Extinction Rebellion, things like the hashtag MeToo campaigns, all of these allow like-minded citizens to join together and put forward view. It's these new social movements that actually allow pressure to be applied to society. And that pressure they put on can be done in the form of direct action, where they might have to do something that is actually physically imposing and making the government have to change their mind. Or it could be a non-direct action type, where it's using the existing systems of legality to, uh, to persuade and change. Sometimes the role of things like new social movements and pressure groups are, are questioned. Uh, a more cynical point of view, a conflict view, might argue society is based on conflicting interests. And these key groups, whether it be things like Black Lives Matters or hashtag MeToo or Extinction Rebellion, um, will always be up against big businesses who have enough power, staff and financial resources to influence government officials and policies to, the, to an extent that these uh, new social movement groups will never be able to, which means it is really the agenda of those big businesses which are being put across. This topic we've looked at in today's episode, it's very unlikely that it will come up as a 12 mark question, but that's not to say that it wouldn't. In order to ground your understanding of this particular topic, I would suggest having a go at a three mark question to start with. Describe what sociologists mean by the term democracy. For now, I'll say happy revision and I'll see you on the next episode of JCOS Presents Sound Sociology. Bye for now.